You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts. Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I have been the deputy site manager and minor league editor in one or both forms since 2015. You may follow me over on Twitter at Leprechaun with a K, where I'll be tweeting a good bit of minor league and major league coverage for the Atlanta Braves. And joining me as my very, I guess, pretty regular co-host on here on Road to Atlanta is my good buddy. You can follow him on Twitter at BravesMILB1, Garrett Spain. Garrett, how are you, man? I'm doing good. <laughs> a man of few words. I apologize in advance. Literally right when I pressed the record button... Uh, the sky opened up above my house, so this will be very interesting to see as to kind of how this this audio turns out. Uh, as you may or may not be aware, there's a lot of weather coming through with the hurricane coming in Louisiana, and I am kind of on the western side of Georgia. Uh, nothing crazy. I'm not expecting any, any crazy weather or anything like that, but there are some kind of scattered storms that are kind of rolling through. So I apologize in advance if there are any issues. Uh, this is, I'm going ahead and tell our listeners now, this is going to be a bit of a shorter podcast, and it's with a very good reason. Uh, well, I say good, a very relevant reason, and it's the one we're going to get to here, uh, is that the big news this week was that the Mississippi Braves had a, have had a outbreak of COVID-19 on their roster. Uh, I reported earlier in the week, uh, as these were, these games were starting to get canceled, uh, against Pensacola is that at least half of the roster either had tested positive or had direct exposure, which resulted in him having to be quarantined. Uh, obviously, with the whole series being canceled, that means that we haven't had anything to talk about but with the Mississippi Braves over the course of the last week or so. Uh, I don't have any specific names uh, that I, you know, I know a few names that I'm not willing to share, and the rest I just don't know. But overall, it just seems like it's been a pretty big mess down there in Mississippi. It sounds like that they're going to try to play the next series. Uh, it just kind of depends on you know when negative tests come back and all that stuff. So, uh, Garrett, just go ahead and just share your kind of quick thoughts on kind of what that means. If this is a pretty, if, if this is going to happen, happen, happening late in the season certainly seems more ideal than obviously earlier. But what, what was your kind of takeaway from kind of the news this week? Well, we lost the most fun team to watch. I, I just, 
I hope that they're, you know, I hope everything, I hope no one had serious symptoms. I hope everyone can kind of get through it, get over it. And as long as guys don't have long-term symptoms, I mean, that's kind of just what we're hoping for right now is that no one kind of hasn't, has any sort of long-term issues or any sort of thing where they have to, you know, miss the rest of the season because they got so sick. The hope is that for the most part, the symptoms stay as mild as they can be and everything can get back to where it was a few weeks ago and that uh, we, I hope that they all uh, learn the lesson and start to be a little safer down there. I do not want to get too far into that one. <laughs> yeah, that, it's, it, that's certainly a subject kind of worth broaching on here is that, uh, I, and again, I'll say, I don't think a lot of people know, I, Mississippi has had their fair share of difficulties uh, with in terms of getting vaccinated and kind of a certain amount of I guess disdain for the the health protocols. I mean, look, those are all guys. They're they're professionals. They want to be playing and they're going to do what they're supposed to. But like I heard, for example, early on in the season when they lost their manager, that one of the things that was kind of causing the big uproar and causing problems was the like issues regarding like the medical and health protocols that have been in place and kind of how they've been enforced and what the expectations were for players and for coaches and all this other stuff. And there's certainly been enough whispers that there've been uh, several players on the team that have, you know, been frankly not been willing to be vaccinated. And I don't have exact percentages about that uh, in terms of like, you know, how how much of that team, how much of the team has been vaccinated, but, and we, and we don't, and more importantly, and I think this is important given the context of the world that we live in right now, we don't know how many of the people who are testing positive were vaccinated or not. It's just, you know, with, with Delta, it's just one of those things that, you know, pl- plenty of people who have been vaccinated still test positive. The biggest benefit to p- being vaccinated right now is that, you know, if you do get sick, that you're not going to be hospitalized. And, you know, I have nothing to report there that it doesn't sound like anyone is seriously sick. It just sounds like that there's just, you know, there are some people who are showing symptoms, others are being asymptomatic, but they're obviously testing positive. How, how Again, how long this is going to drag on, we'll see. Uh, another thing to think about with Mississippi, too, is that their next series was against Biloxi, and Biloxi is currently dealing with the after effects of the hurricane down there as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see both when they resume play at all, and two, once the once Mississippi is able to actually resume games, you know, may, are there going to be players that are going to be out for a little bit longer? You know, maybe they're still still sick. Uh, if I have anything to report, as you know, guys who are particularly particularly sick and not doing well, I'll be happy to do so. But right now, we don't seem to have anything anything like that going on. Uh, it's just more of a there does seem to be a bit of an outbreak. It's caused a, a big wrinkle in what has been a very successful season for the Mississippi Braves. Hopefully, they get things turned around and everyone starts getting he- healthy and gets playing again because that's ultimately what's the most important thing is that these guys get back on the field. But you know, for right now, you know, I'm 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 thinking of those guys. I'm thinking about you know how this could impact their development and also just infa- impact their just health overall, both as players and as people. So hopefully, they're all, everyone's doing better down there. Hopefully that the, this is kind of a, a reminder, uh, not just to the Mississippi Braves or the Braves organization, but just baseball in general is that, you know, like these, you know, things can change very, very quickly uh, for the worse. If you, you know, if, you know, an outbreak happens, all of a sudden your entire season can be derailed by key injuries or in the case of Mississippi, when half your roster ends up getting sick. So, you know, again, de- definitely thinking about those guys. Hopefully everyone's doing okay and will and, and gets through this just fine. Um, other than that, uh, Garrett, uh, to walk us through, like, we did have a couple promotions, nothing particularly major. Uh, we did have a pretty key activation of a guy who, you know, he's not a true prospect or a minor league or anything, but he was rehabbing an injury, uh, and he, now he's with the big league club. But kind of, kind of walk us through the the moves that we saw in the in the minor leagues this week. 
the big one was uh, Ed Rosario finally got done with his rehab. He's up with Atlanta now. He looked really, really good in his last few games with Gwinnett. Uh, hit a few home, hit like four home runs in his last eight games. He looked really, really good. He looked like he was back in the swing of things after he had really struggled right after coming off of the injured list. So that was a good one. Um, Drew Campbell came off of the injured list. He was with Augusta. He got injured in like mid-May and never came back. Um, he just now came back and pretty much immediately got promoted to Rome and he hit fairly well this week. Uh, the other one would be Adam Zabrowski, which was the 13th rounder this year. He's been playing down in the Gulf Coast League. He got moved up to Augusta, played a couple games this week and had a couple hits. So it's good to see them kind of adding more people to that roster and getting it more of a, you know, the lineup is, there aren't like a ton of exciting guys on that lineup, but it's fairly deep in that every player is competent at this point. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely getting better at Augusta. I'll say that. Like it's, you know, I still think that there's, you know, a, a bit of a deficit there. But when you're having guys, they're like, I'm far more interested in the guys who are like just getting their first taste of pro ball right out of the draft and kind of seeing what they can do versus kind of what the Augusta was trotting out there for so long. So overall, like again, it was it, nice to see some continued some roster movement. Uh, we're into what I, we're pretty much in the last two three weeks of baseball of minor league baseball for us, which is kind of wild to me. Um, I, I, I always get a little bit, again, this has been a long season for us. Uh, kind of get back into the swing of things, just kind of doing recaps every day. Uh, it has certainly, I certainly felt the length of the season, but you know, once it kind of starts winding down, I kind of realize how much I'm going to miss it. As soon as the season's over, I'm just going to be like, you know, when does, when does it start back up so we can start covering guys again? But we've gotten a lot of great information just in the last couple months since the draft about these new guys. Uh, I, I'm, we've already been talking amongst us, you know, kind of how we might shift guys up and down on our personal lists and, you know, how much that's going to, how much that changes, how much that could possibly change even for the preseason list with some fairly limited information. But, you know, again, we, we're still seeing a little bit of roster movement. I'm not expecting any, you know, like, like big moves from like high A to double A or anything like that at this point. It just, I'm not sure how much sense that would even make. Uh, the only thing that would make more sense is maybe like double A to triple A if you think a guy might be benefiting from that little bit of extra playing time and could potentially impact the major league roster. That could be a move that we could see over the next few weeks. But beyond that, I'm not necessarily thinking we're going to see that much movement uh, in, the, in the minor league rosters. But we'll see. We'll see how the, the, this front office chooses to handle things uh, with player development and see if they want to challenge some guys. But for right now, I don't see any other moves that are really going to be like, wow, that was a big deal type of thing uh, going into going into the end of the season here. Uh, now, the way this show normally works, we have been doing mailbag episodes, and obviously with special events like the draft and things like that, the format changes. But generally speaking, the way the show works is that we break down each level of the minor leagues, and we kind of just go through the key players, key performances, guys who perform well, others who haven't. And, you know, that we maybe had some high expectations for. So this starts with the Gwinnett Stripers, the Braves, the Braves AAA affiliate. Garrett, walk us through some of the guys that have caught your eye playing down there in AAA. Uh, you have to start with Kyle Muller coming back from uh, Atlanta has been fantastic. He hasn't given up a run yet in 12 innings. Basically, his last, like, seven games with Gwinnett, he's given up, like, he has like a mid one ERA. Um, he did, wasn't striking out a lot of guys last week, which, you know, obviously you want to see him striking out guys. That's a big part of his game. But overall, his command was seeming to, from the first start to the second start, it was a little bit better. Now, obviously, there's start to start fluctuation 
stuff like that. You can't read too much into that. But he was looking like, you know, it doesn't look like he went up to the major leagues and kind of took a step back. It was more the league caught up to him. He got hit a little bit, started, you know, his command kind of got back to where we would have expected it to be, and he struggled a little bit. But it is good to see him back at the AAA level succeeding. That's a really positive sign moving forward. Um, another guy back in the minor leagues, uh, Sean Newcomb out of the bullpen has been fantastic. I am not going to let myself get hopeful. I'm not going to get fooled again. No, don't do it. It's, don't be tricked. But he don't has be been very good. His command has not been very good. I will say that. Like, he hasn't walked a lot of batters, but like, the command has not looked good. But he's, he's been decent. I mean, yeah, I'm not getting my hopes up, but maybe something could happen one day. Um, Christian Pache had a decent week last week, had a few hits, he had a couple multi-hit games. He's just been fairly consistent the last few months and last couple weeks and, uh, just, he hits fairly well. He's not producing a ton of power. He kind of had a power surge middle of the year. He's not quite doing that right now, but he's hitting the ball hard. You know, one good note out of him is, is he seems to be staying more upright in his stance. He's not really diving at outside pitches. And so what we're seeing a lot more of him is being able to take the inside pitches that he struggled with earlier in the season and get more barrel on them instead of just rolling them over to the third baseman or shortstop for an easy out. He's hitting the ball a lot harder in that spot. And I think that's the big strikeouts are a concern for him, but that's from a batted ball standpoint, that's the biggest hole is that down and in area. He's doing better about covering that. It's still going to be a process, but for right now, he is making progress in that area, and it's a really, really good sign to see him start to hit. Um, Bryce Elder pitched uh, his first – did Bryce Elder pitch last week? I was going to talk about him, but now I'm not even sure that he pitched last week. Uh, we'll talk about Kyle Wright real quick, who has been really, 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 really good for the last – like month or so uh last week another start seven innings only give up one run again he's another guy that we don't want to get hopeful about right you don't want to uh believe that he's going to be good but at the same time it is good to see him kind of starting to pitch deep you know he's pitching well second third time through the order and that's something that he's never done before it's not to say that he's like taking the next step or whatever, but it is good to see him going deeper into games and kind of not straying away with his command and his approach and getting away from himself type of stuff. Yeah, I do. I, do, I will want to piggyback. Bryce Elder did pitch last, last week. He pitched into the seventh inning. Uh, this is the most unjustified, like not particularly great uh, line that a guy could get. He actually pitched really well in this game. Um, Two of his earned runs where he was like in the seventh inning, he got gas and he walked a couple guys. And Jason Bradford came into that game and immediately let both those runners score. So it was kind of a situation where he went six and two thirds, struck out five guys, he pitched much better than his overall line was. He's still, he's just so good. He's just really efficient, pitches deep into games. He's missing more bats than I frankly thought he was going to. Um, and again, like, you know, he, he, again, striking out seven, eight batters a game is, is pretty much the average what he's been doing for a while now. It's not like, you know, he's a, a kind of a five strikeout guy. You know, he'll miss some bats. He'll strike out the bad guys. He's, he strikes out good hitters and he's been missing bats with multiple pitches. Uh, the fastball has been a pleasant surprise and that slider is obviously still a very, very good pitch for him. So overall, I'm just very happy to kind of see how well he's doing. Uh, just piggybacking Kyle. 
you want to talk about a guy that I don't want to trust at all, uh, it, it is Kyle, but you know, he has back to back starts where he's pitched seventh inning, seven innings. You know, he has, he has a, a few, like an eight inning start, a seven inning start over the last couple months too. He's pitching deeper in the games. He'll have games where he's striking out more guys than, more guys than he has been. Uh, you know, he's, again, he was kind of like that four strikeout, five strikeout guy. And then ultimately what happened is either he lasted a little bit longer games and he pitched okay, or he would like get driven out of the, in the, like the third inning and like the game, the game was over. But in like recent, like last couple months or so, he's been pitching deeper into games. He hasn't had, he's had, he had one blow up start in the middle of July. Uh, that was a particularly bad one. He gave up six runs in three innings. Obviously that's bad, but overall, I mean, he, he hasn't given up more than two earned runs in seven straight starts now. Uh, however, I will say this, you know, and again, I'll echo Garrett. You know, he, he has looked better, you know, the second and third time through the order than he has been in the past over the course of the last month or two. But I, I ref- at this point, until he does it in the major leagues, is I simply just I think that's a bit of a mirage. I think that's Mike Moras teaching Kyle Wright how to pitch at AAA, which is a very valuable skill, and maybe that means that he could end up being a valuable trade piece this off season because there's a lot of pitchers on the starting pitchers on this 40 man roster right now, and Kyle's just one of those guys that I don't think the Braves trust. I certainly don't trust him, uh, but the results have been pretty good. And maybe there's teams that might want to think that they can fix him or that they can get something out of him and maybe be able to extract some value out of him. So that seems to be where I am at with Kyle. But again, he's pitched well. I mean, last two starts, seven innings, and he's not, he's given up one run in each of them. Uh, his only one walk, walked one batter total in those two starts. So again, Really, really good, really, really good showing out of him over the last couple starts, and he's been pretty consistent for the last couple months, really. But overall, it's hard for me to trust him, considering that we've seen him pitch well. We saw this happen when the last time he pitched in AAA in Gwinnett, he had a really good second half, and everyone's like, okay, this is the time for him to really shine, and maybe he could really do something. And he was completely unable to hold on to a rotation spot for a lot of the same reasons that he has been. Just he loses his command, his approach to the hitters the second, third time through the through the the batting order irritates the crap out of me, and it's. Again, I will believe that he is that guy. He is this guy when I see it. But for right now, this is kind of a nice and pleasant surprise to see kind of him pitching well down in Gwinnett. Maybe the Braves will be able to get something of value out of him. But for right now, again, just that's pretty much all I feel. Think about it for right now. Um, before we go on to the the last two levels, again, we're not going to have much to talk about with Mississippi because of their issues. We're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. All right, Garrett, this is normally the part where we'd be talking about the Mississippi Braves, but obviously they have not played a game in the last week because of their COVID-19 outbreak. We hope they are doing well and everyone comes back happy and healthy and can finish the season strong. But now we get to talk about the Rome Braves, which, again, really interesting team, uh, has some has some high-profile prospects on it, and some guys who are kind of sneaky good, too. So walk us through the guys over the last week or so that have been playing well for Rome. I mean... We gotta start with Luke Waddell, who put up. He's been so crazy. One of the, one of the best weeks we've ever seen, period, out of any prospect. He hit six home runs last week. He had five of his six games were multi-hit games. He struck out one time last week. Like, if you had told me, like, before the draft, that you, I would not have believed you if you had told me he would hit six home runs the rest of this season in half a season or less than half a season. And he's hit six in a week. And I don't think I would have bet on him hitting six in a full season. I'm not sure yeah, I would have done that. 
and it's not, you know, a couple of those were opposite field home runs. One was a bit of a wall scraper, but the other one was a fairly good opposite field home run. And a couple of the balls that he pulled, I mean, they weren't like cheap. He snuck it over the right field corner right around the foul pole. Like he hit one over the bullpen. He had a line drive into the bullpen out. Like he was crushing the ball. I did not expect him to have that much strength. I mean, and I don't expect him to have that much strength going forward, but uh I was very impressed by watching him put on a display like that. I just did not know he was capable of that. I don't think anybody knew he was capable of that. And that was really, really fun to watch. I want to see how good he hits the rest of the year. He's obviously, I mean, his pedigree, he played, you know, four years at Georgia Tech. He should hit at the high level. And so far he, you know, he struggled out of the gate, but he's starting to hit the high, you know, all of the draft guys kind of went through a break where they didn't play for a little while. And so I think a lot of them are kind of, having to ramp back up and it is difficult for them. He's starting to ramp back up and hit well. And he's a guy that, you know, I, I don't care how many home runs he hits too much as long as he hits consistently. Um, and if he wants to hit, you know, uh, 30 home runs a year, uh, that's perfectly fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't, it, I, it, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and bet on that not happening, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh it, you know, you know, if if he's a guy, he's a guy where his profile is kind of, it's very hard to make that into a particularly valuable major league player. But, you know, he's a guy that could be a utility bat. And if he grows into, say, 12 to 15 home runs, which, again, I would bet against. If he can grow into a guy that can hit 12 to 15 home runs, that is a guy with legitimate value at the major league level. Even if he only hits 5 to 10 home runs, that's a guy with his versatility and his Hitting ability could be a bench player at the major league level, but if he can take a step forward in that power, then that is a guy that could contribute to a major league team. You know, I don't, again, expect it, but obviously he has more power than any of us thought he did. Um, Michael Harris has continued to hit the ball. Just, you know, last week wasn't, you know, he had a couple of eh, games last week, but he's, you know, doing his thing. He's drawn a ton more walks lately, which is a big deal. You know, the power still isn't there. You know, it's the same story it's been for, you know, three months now. You know, the power isn't quite where we want it, but he's hitting the ball consistently, not striking out a ton, taking a lot of walks. I mean, yeah, one of the most... Couple, got, got hit by a couple pitches in the same game last week, too. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the most improved defensive players in the system. There's a lot to like about what he's doing. Um and then Drew Campbell coming off that injured list had hits in all four games he played. You know, we talked about it a little bit before the, uh, before we actually started recording. He, he basically refuses to not swing at pitches, but he does uh, hit the ball. Oh, when his he approach kills me. Oh. He, he, he does hit the ball when he swings, but yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting approach. Uh, you know, he's another guy that I don't like see mate playing at the major league level a guy who could be a fifth outfielder type if he can, you know, learn to, you know, sometimes lay off the ball because he hits, he has reasonable gap power. He hits the ball fairly well. He just, you know, isn't ever going to draw walks unless you force him to. It is what it is. Um, Jesse Franklin's kind of, he's been better than he was like a few weeks ago. He's still not, you know, he runs, he hits some home runs every now and then, but he's not, 
been hitting as consistently. I think we talked about it a couple of episodes ago where this is kind of this time of year where guys wear down a little bit and don't hit as well. And I think that he might be running into that situation where he has been, he's playing for the first time in a few years. And that's a really hard thing to do to go in and play full season ball. So I think he's kind of running into a situation where he's getting a little bit gassed and, you know, he's struggling down the stretch. I'm not too terribly worried about it. Uh, we saw kind of what we needed to see out of him this year and we'll kind of let him rest up and however the rest of the year goes, it goes. Uh, pitching side, William Woods made his full season debut. Uh, a lot of fastballs still doesn't really know how to command, you know, his higher velocity, but you know, it's one start. There's not a whole lot you can, you know, gather from that. But, you know, we – I don't really think that we're going to see a lot from him this year at all just because he was out for so long. It is good. I think the big thing is is he's back and he's pitching. Uh, and that's a good thing to see. We want to see him pitching. Um, Darius Vines looked – you know, he's continued to pretty much every single start. He He's starting to grow into the consistency where – the command is getting him a little more consistent from what it was earlier in the season. He's striking out enough batters, forcing enough weak contact that he's going six or seven innings every time, giving up a couple runs. He still has the home run issues, um, a ton of home run issues. And that's going to be important to watch going forward because he's just, I mean, he's given it up five home runs in his last four starts. It's just not, you know, that is a, issue with him not having a a great fastball when he gets over the zone it's going to get hit and so he's got to work a little more towards the edge to avoid those home runs if that's kind of the only thing ever doing damage against him that's fine but he doesn't strike out enough batters to get away with it so he does need to start working a little away from throwing the ball down the middle and it getting hit hard uh and that's a jared schuster didn't have his best start last week uh, you know he's gave up three home runs so that's yeah. uh he's another guy that has had a lot of home run issues uh another guy that the fastball isn't quite good enough to get hitters out in the zone and so when he does miss he gets hit and that's a concern he struck out a lot of batters again he's not walking a lot he's going deeper into games lately which is a great sign but you know he's got to avoid home runs to you know kind of take that next step and you know if he's giving up home runs at the rate he is at this level, he's probably not going to be a very successful starter at the major league level. It's just hard to give up home runs at that rate and be good. Yeah, to pick you up, back up a little bit off that, I, I tend to agree. Now, one thing I will say about Schuster is it is a lot of solo home runs that he gives up because he doesn't have a lot of uh, doesn't give up a lot of base runners. And I will give him some credit is that he's pitching a little bit deeper in the games now. The Braves have been really careful about bringing him along, you know, dealing with the issue that he was issues that he was having uh, early in the season, kind of getting healthy, especially in his time during the, in, uh, the alternate site last year. It seems like they've really been managing his workload. So it's kind of nice to see them stretch him out a little bit and see how well he does. But again, the, the home run thing, I, I worry that if he gets the double A, that some of the pitches that he's getting swings at out of the zone aren't going to get swung at because players can know they can sit on the pitches in the zone, particularly sitting on that fastball 
and be able to hit the ball really hard, and that could cause him some problems. Because I think that a lot of these like weak ground balls that he gets turn into harder ground balls or line drives as he ascends the ladder. So I'm curious as to kind of how well his stuff plays. But uh, there's also, I mean, again, it's not just hitters that wear down. It's also pitchers too, right? And, you know, when he's already hadn't, didn't pitch much last year, uh, if at all, he threw a little bit last year at the alternate site, but I wouldn't call it a, you know, very much throwing it all uh, to, to speak of and then, you know, having to get stretched back out this year. So I'm curious as to kind of what he looks like. Uh, Jesse Franklin has, this is his back-to-back months where he's like hitting like closer to, you know, like the 200 to 220 range. Uh, fortunately in the month of July, he was hitting a bunch of, all of his hits were home runs. So it kind of worked out, but like right now he's a sub at 700 OPS. And again, guys do wear down and I'd certainly want to give him a bit of a pass considering how much of a time he had off you know, for the last couple of years, uh, going into the 2021 season. But we'll, I, I am very curious as to kind of what, is he just a streaky hitter? Is that just what he is? And if so, like how well does that play as he continues to move up in the system? What, what, what does that mean for his future going forward? Um, I, I do want to give a, a slight, a slight tip of the hat to Brett Langhorn because look, the numbers aren't good. I'm just gonna go, go ahead and tell you now. Uh, he, uh, now that he's kind of taken over primary first base duties when Bryce Ball was traded. He's certainly seen a lot more playing time, and he's you know he's made the most of that. I think. I think he's he's you know when he once he started playing more, you know he he was being semi productive. But when you're, but when your first baseman is hitting sub 200, that's obviously not great. But he's homered in back to back games, and I'll say one thing about Rhett Langhorn is that if you need a solo home run or a two-run home run to tie a game late or to go ahead late, Rhett Langhorn is your guide. Because if you look at all the home runs he hits, they're all like late in games, off relievers, to like give the, the Braves a shot to actually like get back into a game. It's fairly hysterical. You know, he's just a guy that sort of just does that. When he comes up in those moments, it just seems like good things happen. So, uh, again, home run back-to-back games. Uh, Again, has a few home run, has had four home runs in the month of August. I certainly don't think he's that much of a prospect, but overall, I'm I'm happy to see a guy like that producing kind of at the bottom of the lineup. It's just like you know when like they're down to their last out when he comes up. It just seems like they and if they need to tie a game, that he just always seems to come through with that big home run. Now, generally, it's a one for four game with like three strikeouts, but when he does get a hold of one, it's generally when a, in a pretty important and good spot. So uh, that brings us to. The last part of level, it's always weird. It's, it's super weird talking about just three levels on this particular podcast without Mississippi, but we do have some interesting players to talk about here, uh, with, with the Augusta Green Jackets, who are a far more interesting team than they were a month ago. Talk to me about the guys who have really caught your attention, who's been playing well, who hasn't, as we round this thing out. Yeah. So with Augusta, you always got to start with Von Grissom. He didn't have, the best week last week and by not the best week he went he had seven hits he went like or six for 23 which is like still not bad like if that's a bad week you did fine uh you know he had a few 0 for 4 over 5 games last week that we don't usually see now he was playing a very very good team in charleston so the numbers were down a little bit he hit fine and, and, just, and he struck and, out and, and he doesn't see a lot of pitches to hit against that team because he they no. they know they can go elsewhere for outs. Yeah, yeah. You know he didn't strike out a ton. You know we saw that. You know, like you said, you know he's not getting a lot of pitches, and he wasn't. 
he's not the type that's going to chase a ton. You know, he has a fairly advanced approach for the level. He looked fine last week. There's nothing like, there's nothing groundbreaking to talk about with him. Just mention, hey, he played fine last week. He wasn't great. He wasn't horrible. He played fine. Um, another guy that played really well or played fairly well last week was Landon Stevens. He had a couple home runs. He's hit 14 this year, which is pretty good for that level. And we don't usually yeah. see guys yeah. uh, hit that many down there. You know, still a ton of strikeouts. I mean, we don't really consider him a legitimate prospect, but he does occasionally come through with some good games, some good weeks for uh, Charles for. The Augusta, you know, one of the concerns with that lineup is, is a lot of the, you know, Cal Conley has had some good games here and there, but really overall, the college guys at that level, Conley, uh, uh, Malloy, um, Robinson, they haven't hit all that well. And now these are guys going straight into A ball. And again, we talked about that was kind of a layoff there. So these are guys going straight into A ball. Now it's not playing that well for A ball. It's playing more like, advanced rookie ball but these guys it's not too much of a surprise to see them struggling but they're hitting worse than i thought they would i was expecting especially malloy and conley i thought would have no issues and conley's been fine he's like i said he's had some good games he's had some bad games um malloy i'm very surprised to see him not hitting i was kind of expecting him to come in and just kind of cruise through low A and high A and not really have any issues. And he has not quite put that up together. And again, this is a small sample. Like this is less than a month worth of games. But at the same time, I kind of expected him to get off to a hotter start. And so it's kind of making the what we thought was going to be a better lineup not all that much better. Uh unfortunately which, you know, it just is what it is. It's off to a slow start. Um Pitching staff is the most important, is the most interesting thing for them. Ryan Cusick pitched last week, kind of didn't have the, kind of a weird start where he kind of got knocked out fairly early. He's not pitching deep into any of the games, but uh, he is what he is. There's no reason for him to be at, I mean, there is a reason for him to be at low A, but he's obviously better than low A. He struck out of four guys, didn't allow any earned runs, allowed a couple of unearned runs, but pitched like we expected a command issues but a ridiculous fastball uh joey essie's i think i slept through joey essie's last start so i'm not going to comment too much on it i'm just going to look at the numbers real quick six innings one run uh that's no walks three strikeouts it's pretty much what we've come to expect he's just ridiculous right now uh he's a guy that like i could see getting promoted to rome for a few starts at the end, one or two starts at the end of the year, uh, just to kind of get his feet wet, right? Because he's obviously at this point, there's not a whole lot for him to learn in low A. He has that league handled. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him. I wouldn't be surprised either way. He might, they might just stick him there for the whole year. They do that a lot. He's only 19. It, it's not a big deal if he doesn't get promoted, but it would be nice to see him get a couple games against higher competition and kind of see what he can do. Uh, the other big one was third rounder Dylan Dodd had a much better timeout this time than the first time. Uh, first time kind of sh- left a lot of pitches over the plate, really struggled with allowing contact consistently. This time, the first three innings, he was fantastic. Uh, he struck out like five of the last five of six batters in a stretch between the second and third inning. It was really, really impressive for that streak and uh, was definitely more on the edges more often than we've seen. Um, he kind of ran in trouble in the fourth, 
But all of those runs, he allowed three runs in three and two-thirds innings, but he left with two outs in the innings and no runs scored, and the reliever immediately gave up like a three-run triple. So not all of those runs, I mean, they were on him, but like he probably would have gotten out of that inning with only a run or two allowed. It wasn't like the worst. He just hit his pitch limit, and that was it. He He's not going to pitch past the pitch limit. It was definitely a better start, though. Um, missing more bats and the – the fastball was just better at location. We didn't get to – I don't think we got to talk about his first start because y'all did the mailbag last week. Um, thanks to Greg Young, which is the uh, announcer for the Mudcats, he was old, old with friend, the – Old friend Greg yes, Young. Yes, he was yep. with the – we love him. He's great. Uh, I sent a message. He called out some uh, numbers for Dodd from his start. Uh, and in that start, I don't know about his last start. That start, he was sitting 91 to 93. He topped out at 94 on one occasion. Uh, his spin rates were really, really good for that velocity. He was sitting around, you know, low to high 2400 RPM spin rate, which on a low 90s fastball is very, very good. Um, and then changeup, changeup was around 82 to 84, 85. We didn't see the slider much in the first or the curveball much in the first start. Uh, but changeup was definitely the best, was the only pitch that was getting any outs in the first start. Uh, that's a, so you're looking at about a eight to, eight to ten mile per hour difference, depending on how he throws the pitch. Um, about 1500 RPM on that pitch. But yeah, I mean, I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see the spin rates as high as they were on his fastball. I won't say that it necessarily looks like it when you watch him pitch. Uh, but he does pitch low in the zone a lot, so you don't really see him kind of try to dot the top of the uh, zone and use that spin a ton. So we'll see how that approach plays. It is nice to you know seeing those spin rates. You kind of see like okay, the Braves have recently liked guys with spin rates like that, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they develop him approach wise and see if they get him working a little bit more up in the zone. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked that the fastball seemed to improve command wise. Again, another guy that could have had some rust issues. And I was, I like Dodd. I want to see more out of him, a lot more out of him, but I do like that he kind of shook off that bad first start. Yeah, it was nice to definitely get some metrics on Dodd. And again, you know, with, with Cusick and with Dodd, I mean, these are guys who like pitched in the college, had a bit of a layoff, were, have been working out in Florida and now are kind of getting back into some game action. So it's kind of hard to draw too many conclusions about what they look like. But, you know, it's certainly nice to get some information about them. I think that's, and I think that's kind of an important thing to note that we have on both those guys going forward. Uh, I, with Malloy, it's an interesting case because, like, that guy draws walks a lot. And I think that that's been part of the issue is just like, I don't know what he's going to look like as a hitter with, against pitchers that aren't afraid to throw strikes because one thing we've seen in low A, and this has just been true all year long, is like, astronomical number of batters get walked. I mean, like, we saw Augusta lose a game, and I'm going to mention this until, like, the end of time, probably. I mean, like, Augusta lost a game where they walked 20 times, and that's hard to do. Now, the other team, like, also walked a whole bunch, and it was just, like, this big high-scoring, like, nightmare of a game. But overall, like, I, I don't know how many pitches that he's necessarily getting to see. I think that the level of competition is a little bit weird for him. Combine that with coming, coming off a... a, a Interesting season at Georgia Tech. 
uh, and a questionable hit tool, to be fair. I mean, he's hitting 230, and, you know, th- if there was a question about Malloy, it was whether or not how much he was actually going to hit coming out of the draft. But, I mean, but despite he's only hitting 230, his on-base percentage is 373. That's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We haven't seen much power. He has one home run on, uh, in very, again, this is a very small sample, so we haven't really seen the power, uh, even though we know that, like, the raw strength and athleticism is there for their power to be there. We just haven't seen much of that. We just, I mean, again, it wouldn't take much if he just, like, goes on, like, the last three weeks here and, you know, hits some more, hits, you know, seven or eight extra base hits over the last few weeks of the season, then all of a sudden his numbers look significantly better. But overall, it's just kind of right now, he hits, he's good for like a single every now and again. Uh, This last week was not particularly kind to him. He had four hitless games in a row uh, before kind of getting back on track on the 29th. And again, against a really tough Charleston team, which is, again, hard to kind of draw too many conclusions about him. But He's had good, he's had decent stretches and he's drawing a bunch of walks. He has 16 strikeouts in, in, uh, 61 at, uh, at bats, but he also has 14 walks. So there's, there's good things to, there are some good things on the peripheral here about Malloy. I'm just not sure, you know, exactly what he's going to look like once he is in a position where guys are more willing to challenge him in the strikes down. And Von Grissom, I mean, he's, you know, like another, another month with an over 800 OPS. He just does work. He's, he's the, if, when Augusta wins, it's almost always because Vaughn Grissom is on that team. Uh, he's, you know, he gets, he's really good at multi-hit games. He's not kind of like a one hit a game type of guy where he'll like get a big extra base hit. He'll like get two or three singles. He'll do things on the base paths. He'll score runs on, you know, and take, and take extra bases. He's just, he does a lot, a lot of good work for that Augusta team. I'm really interested to see kind of how this offseason treats him. If he adds some strength and, you know, cause if he just adds some strength and maybe a little bit of loft to that swing, I mean, like he's had stretches where he's hit for some real power. Uh, you know, again, he had a triple this past week, so that's obviously you know, a good sign in that regard. But, you know, these head stretches where he's shown some real power, and I'm really interested to see how much he actually grows into that power because he is already really fun to watch. I'm curious to kind of I, – I already love the player now. I'm really, really interested to what the player is going to look like next year where he's like, you know, has some – Downtime, some instruction, gets rested up, has a bunch of tape to work on, has a bunch of things that he can, he's gonna have some, certainly gonna have some homework this offseason as the kind of things that he needs to work on. Really, really fun player. I, I, I am not going to be surprised at all if he is, he's probably already top 10 prospect on our, on our list right now. I would imagine if we kind of debate that list right now, he'd make the top 10, but he's he's another guy who could really kind of make a name for himself as a prospect fairly quickly uh next season uh garrett before we let everyone go is there anything else you want to share with them uh we have a shout out to dylan spain 10 career innings and no runs allowed yet so that's a Garrett's you can't do any better cousin. than that. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett's long lost cousin from the University of Hawaii at Hilo, uh, who Wayne is still furious that he somehow, uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, our own Wayne Cavati, who we obviously adore, uh, he is the D2 sports guy, period, for NCAA. He, he does a lot of that coverage. He's spearheaded that coverage. If there is, you know, the depth of the coverage that exists for D2 right now, I'm not going to say it's all Wayne. But Wayne is very responsible for a whole lot of it. So I'm, I'm, and that he wasn't aware that Dylan Spade was a player that existed, uh, and didn't get that information out, uh, before the draft. And once he was drafted, he was furious about it. And we constantly razzed him for it. We're like, wow, the, the D2 Baron couldn't figure out uh, the, the D2 player that the Braves pick in a draft. It's kind of wild. So, uh, but we're also really happy that, you know, 
for a guy that they get for a really kind of like a guy who just went to an open workout ends up playing his way into a draft spot and has a, is a really interesting reliever. He's performing well so far. So we'll kind of, he's certainly a guy we're going to follow, but more, uh, at least to start with more as a meme because he shares his last name with Garrett and, uh, it's also to troll Wayne a good bit, but right now he's pitching really, really well too. Uh, thanks all so much for list for listening to this episode as well as all the other episodes, guys. We appreciate all the support on the podcast. If you want to continue to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast feed. All you have to do is search talking shop on whatever podcast purveyor you choose and you get this podcast you also get the talking shop flagship post program hosted by the great bradley roland uh as well as the daily hammer which is hosted by sean coleman who, and sean's been doing a great job of those kind of those daily update podcasts uh each almost every day to kind of keep you guys updated as to what's going on with the braves uh, as a quick I guess a quick taste of podcasting when we're not having, having putting out the big programs each day uh each week also, again, just thank you for the support on the site. You just make sure you go to TalkingChop.com. As the season winds down, we're going to be kind of doing some minor league wrap-up content as well as kind of covering this Bra- the Atlanta Braves baseball put, uh, you know, playoff push and what's going to be going on with that, you know, with potential call-ups, and that leads into the offseason with roster roundups and all that stuff. There's a lot of great content coming out on the site. Make sure you're going to that site. Again, if you want to follow Garrett and get a lot of great minor league content, you can follow him at BravesMILB. Thank you all so much for all the support. We really appreciate each and every every one of you. And until next time, we'll see you on the road.